because I was worried about all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? If I just focus on what God want me to do, focus on his word, focus on getting the word to people, then everything else is going to come, right? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another glorious episode of the Tents and Tabernacles podcast, where we meet God through the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Vic here. It's Wiggy. And here's another episode. Yes, episode 18. That's, I mean, I'm getting up there now. Yeah. I don't know how many weeks 18 is, but. Like, I feel like our, our, podcast is officially a legal adult mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah we've i think we've crossed that that threshold where you can't stop now <laughs> yeah yeah you know you got over the teen acne phase and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i'm really happy about it episode 18 um let i, I you should pray us in before we start before i forget Make it okay. Who? Uh, okay. <laughs> a lot of stuff may come out. I'll, okay. Let me just. I'm gonna just go ahead and pray. Okay, that's fine. I'm here. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. Thank you for waking us up this morning, and just giving us breath in our lungs and allowing us to see another day because we know that you have purpose on today. Um. Lord, we just first want to say how incredible you are and how merciful you are and how just you are um, in everything that you do, that everything, that every work of your hand is good, Father God, and every thought that you have towards us is good, and everything in your plan is perfect. Your will is perfect. It is only us that say whether, whether it's positive or negative um but everything that's in your will father god is perfect and we yield to your will tonight lord god anything that needs to be said lord give us those words impress upon our holy spirit to to share what needs to be shared about your word and just show us more of your character through your word and help us to get to know jesus so that we can get to know you better in jesus name amen Amen. Yes, as always, Lord, give us the words. We both have notes today, but you, we still need your words. Yeah. Oh, because oh, a lot of the times I feel like, well, I read this like a week ago, but I did mm-hmm. take notes recently, but still, you know, still. Yeah. Who knows what I was thinking the other day? Um. So highs and tries. Who's going first? I can go first. Okay. So... A high is that um, uh, my husband's home for two days instead of just one. So we get to hang out like today and tomorrow. Um, So that, yeah, well, three days instead of two. Let me say that because he's normally home like Sunday and Monday, but he's also off on Tuesday this week. So we get to hang out. Um, Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And uh, try. (sighs) Okay. So there's like a lot of stuff like that I'm noticing that's happening with, you know, the body of Christ and the church and people's view of God and just a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm going to try not to cry um, just because it like, it's really burdening on me. Like it's like, it just hurts my heart um, to see people leave the faith because they have a poor idea of God. Mm-hmm. Um 
And even though it's not like entirely the church's fault that they left, like they have their own issues. Um, but we didn't like, like the church affirmed their questions about God instead of showed them the truth about God, which, um, which is, is infuriating. So it's, it's hard. Um, cause I don't necessarily know what to do about it. Like physically, like, I don't like, like I'm just one person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, all I can do is, is learn more about the word so that I can share more about the word. Um, just cause it's like, our generation is just biblically illiterate and, mm. and it just keeps getting worse <laughs> and it really bothers me. Like I just never noticed how biblically illiterate, um, the world is right now and not even the world, but the church. So. Yeah. Do you think it's just, um, this generation or do you think it's like, whose fault is it? When did we, when did people become so biblically illiterate? Like in what generation do you think? Uh, the Old Testament. I'm just kidding. Um, ah, right. <laughs> um, I I have no idea. I don't know yeah, where it started. Yeah. There's so many different ways, honestly, because it's like the evangelical wave and the the you know the rise of um televangelists and that whole thing and like putting money to the gospel, which <sighs> that's a whole other story. But it's like there's yeah. so many different waves of sin um on a global scale and yes of course we're all imperfect people so we all sin but it's like the more sin is being um seen as normal and validated and accepted and taught that like the more we're taught to be tolerant of sin um instead of hate sin and deal with sin and um and confront sin like and address it in the church the more that we're taught that tolerance is equal to love which Mm -hmm. isn't um the easier it is for us to just accept all of these different waves of new teaching and and new theologies and new doctrine that is absent of god's character altogether and um it just keeps getting worse i don't know where it started but it has to stop somewhere yeah Mm-hmm. I don't know where it started either, but <laughs> it has to be. A, it's probably not with us. I would say that. I don't know. People have been being taught um, wrong ideas for a long time. I think that's how you have so many different types of groups. So many people think different things. So many people hinge their faith on different things, and it's because somebody started something a long time ago, and it's. Got a hold on some people. Got Adam, some hold. I'm gonna blame Adam for this one. Ah, yeah, yeah. We'll just blame. <laughs> we'll just blame Adam human nature. It kind of it or... started downfall. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a hard one. Um, let me see. My high. I actually found out today. Um, at work, we have these like awards for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found out today, well, for last year, you know, like the previous year, and I found out today that I won the highest award, but which is very because exciting. you're great at your job, like you shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, but it's really the Lord because 
it's really the Lord. That's all I say. Cause it's like really minimal effort. But um, but the prize usually for the highest award, usually like when things are normal, when it's not like a plague outside, uh, is you get to go to like some vacation, you bring another person for like three or four days, whoever you want, like you bring your friend, your mom, your man, mm-hmm. whoever. Uh, and this year it's supposed to be in Hawaii. And it's a cancel oh, because of Omarion. Omarion. Mm-hmm. But they give you really good, like, well, last year it was canceled too. This is two years in a row that I won the highest award and did not get to go on a vacation. Oh, they got to get, but like they have to like run that back for you. Yeah. So they give like really good gifts. Like last year I got like this whole like package from Apple that was like, that was worth at least 13 grand all in one. But this, but you can also get like these points where I could like plan my own vacation. But I don't want to plan my own vacation. I just want them to send me the tickets to be like show up in Hawaii and yeah. we got everything planned for you. But it's okay. I prayed about it. I was like, I'm so grateful, Lord, because really it was you running the numbers up because it makes no sense. Um, but yeah, so it's okay. One of my friends said she might like rent a party room out or something and said, we're just going to celebrate ourselves. And I was like, you let me know where it is because I don't have any money to be renting out the room, but you don't I have to show me. up. <laughs> you, you do that. Like, but I do have an outfit to show up. Yes, I already ha- well, I already had a dress that I've never worn that I was going to wear for the ceremony because the ceremony is usually like, you know, like black tie formal but i guess i will not be in florida oh. eating my steak dinner and going to hawaii it's okay though maybe one day you know all in the lord's plan <laughs> yeah we'll see what the real plan is in the future um anyway uh that was my that was my high and my try in one because i really want to go to hawaii yeah and then also my try is <clears throat> My head looks like this, which is okay. I know I'm still cute. And this is yeah. like how my natural crown looks on my head. This is like mm-hmm. how my hair is. It's cute. But I'm, but I'm very ready to get my hair braided. Ooh, Thursday is coming. I understand because I definitely did not retwist my hair. See, it's just too much to deal with. Like I was like, I'm not going to do know. this yesterday. Really all day it's just been like, I don't even know what it's been like. So I was like, I'm just going to try to pull in this little bun. Since we're, we're recording, I'm trying it's to It's cute it. though. Thanks. Okay. You, you should get locks, but that's just. You that know, is like a future thing. I think I will do one day. Because, like, with your twisties and what it's so cute on you. People like, always you really say every time up. I twist my hair. Some people, if I twist it, like, real, like, like kind of messy-like, people mm-hmm. think that I locked my hair. And they're like, oh, my God, you did it. I'm like, no, I'm going to untwist it. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. No, it's fake. It's just, it's, it's just twist, y'all. But I think I am going to do it one day. I'm just, I don't know what's holding me back. I don't know either, sis, because... I don't know, cause then it would probably make my life a lot easier. It would. I would just, it would just be like that would be my hair forever, and I would oh, never. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would and it's a lot it. cheaper to get it retwisted than it is to get your hair done, your hair braided. So it's true. <sighs> Maybe when I turn thirty-five. Oh my god. That'll be like okay. my thirty-fifth birthday thing. Okay. <laughs> cool. Oh my god, we will see. But it's, it's something about long, knotless braids for me. <laughs> But I, that they got they got they got you in a chokehold. Okay, choke for the right. That's what I'm saying. By 35, <laughs> they may have me out of the chokehold. Okay. Sure. All right, y'all. Well, this I almost said this month. This week we are uh, kind of bouncing around again 
in books. So bear with us. We have more Psalms. I have mm-hmm. a few songs for you again. Um, we have we enter First Kings this week. So if you're a fan of Kings, you're you should be happy. We're still in. Is it Second Chronicles? Yeah, I only saw it's only notes. one chapter though. Yes, but is it second or is it first? Second. second. We enter in the Second Chronicles for the first chapter. Mm-hmm. So we're in First Kings, Second Chronicles. And then we are going to get into the song of Solomon or the Song of Songs, whatever whatever you believe. We're going to get into that. So <laughs> my first note um, is on Psalm 111.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his instructions have good insight. His praise endures forever. Yes. Yes. I love that one. Because mm-hmm. they say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom a few places in the Bible. So I feel yeah. like it is true then, right? Mm-hmm. It For is sure. true. Wisdom cannot advance further until this starting point. When you recognize the greatness of God, you will fear him appropriately. Mm-hmm. So it's almost, from what I was reading, it was like um, your relationship with God, like the closest it can't even really begin until you have that appropriate reverence to mm-hmm. him and then mm-hmm. you can think properly and then, you know he gives you wisdom once you view him in the right way yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. gotta get your things in order yeah yeah like once you put god first everything else just makes sense everything else like falls in place it does and when you tell okay. people that when you tell people that because you finally get it they're looking at you like, I don't get it. And you're like, why not? It's so clear. Or it's like, or they're to. like, oh, yeah, duh. But then, like, they don't know the practicality of that. Like, what, like it in practice. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, put God first. That sounds like a duh. But, like, do it. See what happens. Your life will change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've talked about before on previous episodes how people do not like to relinquish control. Yeah. And... Putting God first and fearing him above all else is kind of doing that. It's giving up what you want to do. Who wants to do that? Um, <laughs> as I said, this has been said in the Bible a few times. It's in Job 28, 28, which we've read already. Um, it's also in Proverbs 1, 7, 9, and 10, and Ecclesiastes 12, 13. So, like I said, it's a few places, a few. It's always talking about, it's always in books of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Ooh, speaking of Proverbs, we're in Proverbs next week, y'all. Woo! Lots of Proverbs, like straight Proverbs. Look, yeah, like just straight. I would look forward because I thought they were going to like tack in the last couple verses in the last chapter of Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking for the rest of it and it was just Proverbs everywhere. Yeah, we have a <laughs> Yeah, we're going to start Song of Solomon and give you a little bit next week and then we're gonna give you straight just solomon's words of of wisdom yeah did you have any psalms i have a few more but i don't know if i so i actually like i talked about the psalms 111 the one you just read last week so go back oh you did because yeah i was like i gotta move like i'm moving ahead because it's oh you did i remember that you did you did sorry Um, guys no i mean you're good um 
But yeah, no, I don't. I didn't have any notes on the Psalms. No Psalms. Okay. Uh-uh. Um, I jumped like straight into into First Kings. Oh, okay. See this this week. See last week, Vic was with us on the Psalms. This week, no, I was with us. I just didn't have any notes. Okay. Let me see. Do I really have notes? I read them. Like on the day they were assigned, I read them and I was like, these are good. But like, I just didn't have any like extraneous notes. Like, oh, yeah. Me either, really. I have just like a few. Like, I have like Psalms 115, two through seven. It says, like, why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven and does whatever he pleases. I love when I read that, that God is in heaven and does whatever he pleases. Yeah. I like to tell unbelievers that when they ask him, that when they ask why he does certain things, and I'm just like, he does what God he does what he wants. <laughs> like, and and people don't like that answer. It, no, they don't. Answer, but it's but true. It's like the same reason why you don't like when your like parent says, "Cause I can." Yeah, but it's true though. And they don't have to like give you. A, they don't have to give you a, an answer. They yeah, don't have they to don't. give you a reason why they're doing something. They're doing something because they're doing it. Yeah, and as long as they're not harming you, like you just need to leave me alone. Yeah, because one thing you have to know is that uh, I'm gonna jump back to this when we talk about Song of Solomon. So yeah, I'm try I'm gonna try to be brief. But one thing that you have to know when reading that verse is that like God will never harm you. Mm-hmm. Like He doesn't set out to harm you. He everything that He does is good. He can only do good. The works of His hands are good. His plans yeah. for you are good. So like. If you're if you're like, oh well, God is allowing all of these things and they're horrible things, it's like consider it all joy. Mm-hmm. Consideration mm-hmm. is a perception thing. You have to perceive it as something that is positive for you. It's not just it's not just always gonna look easy and good for you. Sometimes it's yeah. gonna look like vegetables you don't want to eat. Sometimes it's gonna look mm-hmm. like not being able to go to a party you really want to. Sometimes it's gonna look so like there's multiple w- reasons why you don't get what you want and god does what he wants and even if you don't understand you can trust that it's for your good amen 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 another random one i have psalms 116 this is just a little encouragement for the audience i love the lord because he has heard my appeal for mercy because he has turned his ear to me i will call out to him as long as i live I love that one because it just reminds me that God takes care of me. If I cry out to him, he will come. You don't have to try to hold it in like, oh, well, God, he sees me. He sees what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. You, Not that I'm saying you have to cry out, but it's not going to hurt anything. Like, right. I think you should. It's going to, I don't like, think about the Israelites and what, what God was saying. Like, I have heard their cry out to me. Mm-hmm. Like, they were crying out. It wasn't that he's just like looking around. And he's looking at all the suffering. Like, go ahead and call out. He's gonna come. Yeah. You know. Oh my goodness, my husband and I were just like talking about this yesterday because I was talking about the whole, um, like the the power of life and death is in your tongue and how that's misused, like in the church right now with it with the whole like positive affirmation thing like don't speak anything mm-hmm. negative over your life but it's yeah. like all of psalms is david saying that things are crap mm-hmm. but like i believe god so yeah. that kind of yeah. puts a nail in that coffin because it's like 
No, when you cry out to Laura, be as honest as possible. If your head hurts, your head hurts. Yes, yes. If your family's broken, your family's broken. Yeah. If you're scared about a test, you're scared about a test. Don't Mm -hmm. go to God and be like, you know, uh, God... I um I I just thank you for my healing of my head. Like you can you could tell yeah, them that your just head hurts. Tell them. Yeah, but like you said at the end, tack on there how you know how good God is and how He yeah. is going to deliver you and how He's already said He was. And because I do think negative talk is bad. Like just like um like it doesn't psycho- help <laughs> psychologically if yeah. you say if you start to identify with something then that could be a bad thing. If you start to mm-hmm. wake up and you say, you know what, I'm just lazy, lazy bum, and I'm never going to amount to anything. If you tell yourself that every day, you, not saying that the the power of your tongue, just because you said it, makes it true. It's, but it's because definitely... it's really what you think. And yeah. how you identify with yourself. It's, it's more about that than the power of the tongue just speaking. Yeah. It's it's that's the as the man thinks in his heart, so is he. Yeah. So so yeah. yeah, it's less about it changing your reality and more about like if that's how you think about yourself, then you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And you, once you once you figure out your identity, especially when you figure out your identity in Christ, mm-hmm. that type of stuff is is you don't think those ways really anymore because you really see yourself yeah. for the most part how he sees you. A lot better, at least. You're not saying that you won't, you know. Yeah, but it is a lot better. Yeah. Um, in Psalms one sixteen, verse ten. Yeah, verse ten. Um, in line with what we were talking about, it says, "I believed, even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe, but I'm still going through it. Yep. That that is real. It is. It so, is so is. Real. Like, man, life is trash right now. That I is, still believe I mean, God. Yes. Sure. Yes. And then it is such like, I don't know. It's it seems like such a crazy thing to say. Like, but your life doesn't have to be perfect for God to still be good. Ah. It's never gonna be perfect and God's still good. Like I know, especially in this world. Oh my god. Like it's just impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. I did have Psalms 118. I feel like I like Psalms 118. Yes. What I'm not gonna read. Am I gonna read both of these? Ooh. Oh no, I'm gonna read just one. Well, Psalms 118:17 says, I will not die, but I will love and proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord disciplined me severely, but did not give me over to death. Mm. And when I read that, all I could think about was is this the gospel? That's all I could think. I was like, this is like salvation. I was like, it was like, I will not die, you know, I, but I will love and proclaim what the Lord has done. So you're, you're proclaiming what the Lord has done. You're proclaiming his good works, the good news. And then the Lord disciplined me severely, but did not give me over to death. We're not given over to death. That's just how I see it. I could. Be yeah, wrong. no, that's really good. But I was like, our punishment is death. But Jesus took the punishment. That was my notes. Yes. Wonderful. So wonderful. So wonderful. So now, oh, something's in my eye. I'm, I'm trucking along. Okay. Now we're on to First Kings. We're going to pick up the First Kings. I do have my fun facts about the Kings books. 
Wait, before we do that, do we want to oh. like finish what, talking about the Psalms, even like through the rest, and then jump into First Kings? I don't know because I don't know when Psalms are coming back. Because I think there's going to be some that come back. Oh yeah, I'm saying like for like last week. Like, did you have anything on Psalms 119? 119? Mm-hmm. That was like the long one that was split in a two. Oh. Parts. I didn't. I it was like the was, alphabet. It was the ABC was, revival, was, like the it episode. Was it was very long, and he was repeating himself a few times. But I remember, hold on. I remember basically the gist of it was <laughs> like, hold on, because it was so long that they split up between two days. Okay, so oh Psalms one nineteen. While she's looking this up, Psalms one nineteen is an acrostic poem. If you ever did that in like grade school or whatever when you wrote your name like vertical down the side and then you wrote a word that started with that letter is that how it is yeah so these this is it goes in order of the hebrew alphabet wow how interesting i had no idea i was just like i just keep you know it was just a a, a love letter to god though very long no it's really it's really good it um, is yeah, there's a lot of different like um not stanzas but themes like throughout it. Mm-hmm. But um there's a section and I think it's the is it the letter D or the letter G? I can't remember. But um like it's talking about how like he's so low like he could taste the dirt, but it's like God it's the it's God's laws that bring him back to life. And I was like, that's so cool. Cause like normally, you know, people don't want to talk about the laws of God, bringing them to life. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't like, no one says like, oh, the 10 commandments that gives me life. Like no one says that. <laughs> right. Like, like the 10 commandments do not be giving. Okay. Like, yeah. that, you know, and so <laughs> for that to be the thing, like, to know God's statutes and to follow his, his commandments is what, is giving the poet life in this and it's like if we want to be revived like that's what we run to we run to his commandments we run to obedience like in haste and that's what's going to pull us out of the dirt that's what's going to pull us out of the dark and deep places that we're in is to start obeying god because it's in our it's in our obedience that solidifies our reverence of god and also it's like the only way that we can have courage, the only way that we can um, have joy and have strength and be able to withstand everything that's happening around us is by our obedient relation or our obedient. What's the word? I wrote it down. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Our obedient fellowship with God. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I just I love Psalms one nineteen. When I was reading, I was like, yeah, I read this like a while ago. I did a whole like podcast episode about it. I know exactly what's going on here. So I kind of skimmed it because it was just so long. It but is I love long. it. It's beautiful. I, I, that's it's why they the had longest to psalms too. It has to be. They had to split it up. But basically, I felt like the gist like of it was, like you said, like he was, you know, treasuring the law in his heart. It was keeping, he was like asking God, like, please help me keep your statutes. Like, yeah. Just like about his faithful love, you know, that I feel like that was like the general theme. Like, I delight in your commands, which I love. Like, yes, you know, 
The arrogant constantly ridicule me, but I do not turn away from your instruction. I love that one. That's one of my favorite verses. Yeah. Because people will ridicule you. They will be arrogant. They will be, you know, they will call you naive. You know, it may happen, but, you know, that doesn't matter. You stay with God. Yeah. Because without reverence for God, his his laws and his commands are, they seem futile. They they Mm -hmm. seem unnecessary and they like, they seem foolish. Yeah, that is just weird. Yeah. yeah. But not to us. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, because when you know better, you do better. When you mm-hmm. when you've when you've experienced both sides of it, I think we said that last time. When you when you actually are obedient, it always works out. It's never mm-hmm. you never feel bad later. You're never like, dang, I should have just did what I wanted to do. Yeah, you never regret obedience. <laughs> Ever and you and more than likely you will regret doing something foolish that you know you're not supposed mm-hmm. to do because just because you want to do it in your in your flesh. Yep. Yeah. Um. Was that so, it? Yeah, that's all I had. Yeah, that's all I had. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing those on it. I think yesterday, but then I was like, you know what? It's a lot of songs, and I feel like we got other stuff. Um. So yeah. So f- fun facts about kings. Again, the author is unknown, but many attribute it to Jeremiah. Hmm. That is, yeah. We could we could fact check these things. This is what I got from um, the Bible study study books. This is what they said. I'm gonna think that they are saying the truth. Um, the date it was written during the Babylonian exile, so around 560 to 550 BC. The audience is the Jews who are in exile so that they remember their roots and so they can pass down their history. Um, the reason it was written was to record the history of Israel and Judah and to inform them why they were exiled in the first place. And the theme is failing to live for God can lead to judgment. So there's two books of Kings, first Kings, which we're starting now, and there's a second Kings the events in First Kings are going to be the reign of Solomon, the division of the kingdom, and the kings that followed the division. Second Kings will be the fall of Israel and Judah and Judah going into exile. So just remember that. I'll probably put a little video of that information somewhere later. Okay, so uh, the way First Kings starts is David's like in his last days. David is dying. We're not gonna see David no more. My favorite, one of my favorite guys. Yeah, come to find out, he was only like seventy. Yeah, this this is when people were starting to live a little less time. Yeah, and and they said that he was like, you know, old and full of days, but he was only like seventy years old. Yeah, but dude lived like four different lives, so that's probably why. I read that too. They were like, he he doesn't seem that old, but literally, he was he lived a crazy life, which was enough. For four people. So, yeah. Like, he was on was, the run as a teenager until he yeah, was, like, 30. <laughs> yeah. And he had been running the kingdom since he was kind of young, too. Like, yeah. When, when did he come, come in? Like, probably around in his 30s, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's always in the 30s for, like, these important characters. So, yeah. That's a long time for him to be running, doing wars, doing the most, lots of wives. Stole a woman. Killed a dude, Doing a had a lot. baby, yes. had other babies. Oh, his kids try to kill him. Yeah, had I a coup, survived the coup. 
Yeah, he had a lot. He he's ready to go. He, he might done. just ask God, like, you because he he been on? announcing his death for quite a few chapters. Yeah, was, like, I thought so too. Because at the beginning, I put I wrote I actually wrote dead. in my notes like David dies, and then I was like, oh wait, no, it's his last days because he hasn't died so. <laughs> So he is going to die this episode, but no. Dude is laying in his bed with flowers on his chest like this, talking about, I'm going to die now. I think he was Wait, I got something to say, and then I'm going to (laughs) die. Wait, hold on. Bring my son in here. We're going to talk, and then I'm going to die. Like, dude, you going to die. I get it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That is so funny. But like I said, I'm going to miss David. But we're we're off David. About to go into our Solomon years. So in his last days... They have this part where um they send a young girl in to keep him warm. Apparently, this was like a um in the ancient world, this was a recognized medical treatment mm-hmm. to send in a woman to lie with a man to keep him warm because there's no heaters, you know. Yeah. And I'm guessing they don't want to send in other men to lie with him. So it's like I send in a young young maiden who's a yeah. you know, and I think was she a virgin? Did did it say that? Uh, I'm not sure, but it also says that he didn't he didn't know her. Yeah, he did not sleep with so, her. So um, we can maybe imagine that David has started to learn his lesson on things, and he's trying to not be a you know a nasty guy. I guess. Also, he's seventy. Also, he's seventy and and announcing his death every day. So, yeah, he's just like, I don't care about women anymore. I've had I'm enough done. of them. I am done. I am done with these women. Lord, come get me. I really know. <laughs> but we can assume though that he did take her as a concubine. I yeah, I saw that too. So, so it I was like, okay, okay. kind of because concubines are technically their wives. They're just like extra wives. Yeah. I wonder if they're wives that they don't sleep with because mm. because the way that like Abishag is like described for him to not have slept with her but took her as a concubine or like didn't take her as a wife. Like that was mm-hmm. the separation was that he didn't sleep with her. So I wonder if that's what concubines are. I don't know. Wives that don't sleep with because didn't, but haven't other people slept with their concubines? Unless it changed over oh, the yeah. years. Yeah, you're right. But who knows if they were supposed to, though? I mean, I don't know. Because, like, people have had, yeah. Because, like, Jacob had... was sleeping with all his his women. He had two concubines. Yeah, and, like, they had children by their concubines. Huh. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know what to, the distinction that's is. That's the thing. We probably have to do some research. Just because it happened, yeah. I mean, they were supposed to. Who knows? But David, he did not know this woman. Yeah. Um. But I did write down that he probably did make her his concubine, and maybe that's why it was wrong. We'll get to it. Uh. But Vic knows what I'm talking about. That Adonijah asked for her as a wife later. Yeah. Like, why would he? Because Solomon was. Because I was mad confused. Like yeah. I was really confused why. I don't he... know why he was doing that. I feel like he was kind of doing the most. Um. Right. I was like, but I didn't understand the response to that request. That's what I was like. Why I think Solomon was just like, you know what? I don't I don't gave you a chance and you asked me dumb questions, so I have to kill you now. That's how I thought too. I was like, uh, okay. Um, he just wanted to off you real quick, I guess. And Solomon, he just, just give look, me a reason. 
for some reason, I always had this picture in my head of Solomon being this like really sweet young kid, but really, he really is very savage. Like, I'm savage, Listen. classy, bougie, ratchet. Yeah, I'm Solomon. Like, for um, real. <laughs> like Solomon. We, we are going to get to Solomon in a second. So, <laughs> before we get there, um, did you have anything else to say about David and his concubine? No. Okay, I'm gonna go on to. Okay. Oh wait, so um, uh, so Abishag was a Shunammite woman with yes. an N, uh-huh. and some people believe that this is the woman that we see in Song of Solomon. Yes, but, I have heard that. Yeah, but it's like in Song of Solomon they call her a Shulamite woman with an L and mm. the connection from Shulam and Shalom being peace, right? And also like the nation of Shulam Sh- Shalom So know. do you think it's the same woman then? Who are no. the Shulamites and who are the Shulamites? Are they That's what I'm saying. Women? So apparently the regions that these two people these two groups of people lived in were far enough away that it couldn't it, it yeah. wouldn't be that the same woman. I thought it would be weird for it to be the same woman too, because it's like unless the Solomon inherit his father's concubines, because why would he take his dad's concubine? Right, and then kill his brother for asking for his dad. Yeah, concubine. yeah. I am going to get to the th- the theories of the characters of uh, Song of Solomon that people people yeah. have. Um, but yeah, so Dave has another son, another son who is betraying him. Another son who who's who's out of pocket. And I so just love never, his name though. Like Adonijah just sounds so pretty. I do, I do like the name Adonijah. But it's like now that I know what you he did, name, like I can't yeah, name a kid. I can't about that. I mean, you could, but no. you. I would look up what the name means. It sounds real nice. But what if it means like betrayer? But it's like I'll always be looking at you like side eyes. Like I know. And then when and then when your son reads this story because he'll probably be a biblical scholar like his probably. mom. Yeah. Um, he'll be like, dang, why you name me after this guy? Yeah, so <laughs> I can't do that to I can't do that to oh, But it's really, it's a really cute name, though. Maybe a middle name that nobody will see. Uh, <laughs> so uh, David has this son named Adonijah. He is born after Absalom, so he's like, he's one of those older kids. So he is not, he's older than Solomon. Again, Solomon is gotta be king but he's like the younger brother yeah again the younger coming before the older yeah absalom's like number five adonijah is the fourth one so there's mm. three before adonijah mm, okay okay two we know died and that was the um uh i can't remember their names but two we know died absalom being one of them and then the other one the third one um just kind of vanished, like just kind of yeah. disappeared out of the scripture for a hot minute. Forever. So it's like I guess he either like died or he didn't do anything that important, or like he was <laughs> like he wasn't fit to take the throne. I guess so. Adonijah was the next in line. Yep, kinda. He was technically, but it was like God told David it's gonna be Solomon. I don't care yeah. what your sons talking about. Because one thing about Israel is that once they started doing kings or whatever, well, after Saul, pretty much after the installation of David, it was the fact that God chose 
or no, it was for Saul too that God chooses. Yeah, God was choosing the kings at first. Hereditary succession. Yeah. Yeah. And then after, I want to say after Solomon, they started doing the hereditary situation. But that is just going to be a slaughter fest, honestly. Whole thing. Um, Yeah. So Adonijah is conspiring with who else? Joab. Conspiring with Joab and the priests. Is it Abiathar? Abathar? Abiathar? Yeah. What Abiathar. Y'all know who it is. Abiathar? That guy. That guy. He's conspiring with them because he knows he's not supposed to be king, but he's like, I got to try anyway. Because he's like, you know, he's having a moment like, why am I not the king? And my my kid brother Solomon is like eight years old or something. What's (laughs) up? You know, I don't know how old Solomon is, but he keeps talking about how he's a youth. He might not be eight, but he's younger than his brother. Clearly. Yeah. Um, so he does that. He has like this like feast or whatever. He's trying to gather the people. Um, he does not invite though. This is how you know he knew he was wrong. He did not invite Nathan, the prophet. And Nathan is like the man. He's like mm-hmm. the prophet of the time. Uh he does not in- invite Benaniah. Yeah, the royal guard or or Solomon. If yeah. you think you're doing right, why are you not inviting your brother? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Oh, so what happens after that? Bathsheba so, enters the chat. Okay. So what gets me about this feast is that Adonijah, like, they're feasting on the meat that was sacrificed. So they sacrificed mm-hmm. the fat first. And then, um, like, to the Lord, to God, to the God of Israel, and then went to have a feast. As if Adonijah was like, all right, let me get in good with God so he can make me king. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. Adonijah knew at least enough that, like, God had to actually, like, okay this. But he did it on the back end of, like, well, I'm king. Like, let me just get God on board. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... I'm just like, dude actually went with the priest to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Like, all right, I'm good. And God was like, no, 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 you're not good. (laughs) No. No. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it says a lot of places that, or God says that like, he desires your heart over sacrifice. Like sacrifice is cool. He loves it. Mm -hmm. But like, if you're just offering way better than sacrifice. And if you like, if you're just offering like just mindless sacrifices just so I bless you, no, you've missed it. You missed the whole point. Like you're you not just gonna it. offer me random bulls when yeah. I already did. I already said Solomon was king. I already said mm-hmm. it. I told your dad like a long time ago. Yeah, it's over. And he just acting dumb because I don't know what David was dying in the bed. He wasn't paying attention to what was going on because. It was almost like he forgot or something because Adonijah is running around crazy and Nathan has to go to Bathsheba, who is still the queen, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like, hey, we got to go tell David to hurry up and anoint this boy Solomon because Adonijah is running amok. And David's like, like, they have to go tell him this because David doesn't have anything, doesn't have any idea what's going on. He's like he's just so removed from from everything at this he's point. He's ready to go. He is ready to go. He's in the bed, but maybe he was kind of sick. 
you know, maybe he was frail. He couldn't really get up. I mean, like if Duke, if they gotta keep him warm, like his circulation ain't really, you know, yeah. he may yeah. just be like tired. He just honestly, if he's like, I'm ready to die, he yeah. So he doesn't he, know what's going on. It. So yeah, so Nathan comes up with this plan. Bathsheba goes in there, acts like she hasn't talked to Nathan. She's like, hey, you know, Adonijah doing boop de boop de whoop. And Nathan comes in and confirms what she's saying. And so mm-hmm. Nathan, so David's just like, okay, well, put put Solomon on the mule, take him to where they take him to? Do they take him to the Ark of the Covenant? No. Uh no, the Ark of the Covenant's in Jerusalem. They took him they to, to Gibeon. Yes. But what is there? Like an altar. There's an altar there. Yeah, right? it's an altar there. They take him to the altar, they anoint him with oil, and everybody's happy. The whole town is going crazy. They're shouting with joy because Solomon's the one who's supposed to be king in the first place. So then Adonijah and the people and Joab and the people who are being betrayers, they hear mm-hmm. this and they're like, oh my goodness, what is all the uproar? Because it was loud. They said it was so loud. It felt like it was about to crack the, the ground open. Mm-hmm. I had to look to see if it really cracked the ground open or if that was just a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I found zero consensus that it was a, a metaphor. It was just very loud. Um, and they all start getting scared. Everybody at the feast gets scared. They leave Adonijah because they say, um, if we are caught here, we may die. Because obviously they already knew how Solomon was. We just didn't know yet. Mm-hmm. Shush, shush. Yes. So, oh, so what happens? So Adonijah leaves. He's scared. Um, da, 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 da. Oh, Adonijah goes to the altar and he holds on to the horns. Right. Which is like a um, a universal ancient custom that basically like you can't touch people when they're like at the altar. You can't kill them. So- yeah. Well, okay. Sort of. But like it was more on the lines of if you are accused of something, you can run to the altar before you're apprehended for that. Like being accused of something before you're arrested mm-hmm. and like they can't touch you while you're there. So it's like this sanctuary from justice is the yeah. and um, but that's only if you're only accused. It doesn't apply to a guilty man. So if you've been found guilty, they can kill you right there. Mm-hmm. Yes, as we see with uh, I forgot his name. Joab. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, my goodness! I also wrote down that this was like a universal ancient custom, not not um particular to the Israelites, but I wrote down that technically for the for in this in their actual culture, it did not save him because of a law in Exodus twenty one fourteen. Mm-hmm. We gotta go to it really quick if I can read it because I didn't write it down, but I was like, what is the principle that basically is like you can run to the altar all you want to, but we don't care because if you're guilty, you're guilty. Yeah, that yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, let me see. Okay, so Exodus twenty one fourteen is if a person schemes and willfully acts against his neighbor to murder him, you must take him from my altar to be put to death. Yeah. So he he can be at the altar all he want. You will take him, and he's gonna pay for what he did. And so this is the thing, though. Adonijah doesn't die at this point yet. He mm-hmm. goes and holds on to the altar. But it's like Solomon kind of like, 
I don't know if he like kind of reviewed what was going on, but he was just like, oh, you know, like he kind of gave him a pass, I think, at first. Like, mm, it's fine. Not, yeah. Um, yeah, we really see Solomon's grace and mercy. Um, I mean, because at the end of the day, it is his brother. Yeah. He, uh, Solomon says something like, um, if there's any evil found in him, you know, I'll put him to death. Yeah. But, but if he's an honest you know. man, like he'll be good. Basically, like, don't don't start another rebellion. You'll be fine. Um, yeah, like just get in line, sir. That's all yeah. I need you to do. Yeah, don't Please. don't don't cause a coup, and and I'll leave you alone. But mm-hmm. um, I wrote down something in regards to the holding on to the altar mm-hmm. because I just I never saw it as the like that someone could run there after they're after they've been accused of something um they haven't been found guilty yet so they've they've been accused so whether they're guilty or innocent they can still run to the altar and hold on to it um and not not feel the wrath of the justice that is either due to them or not not due to them um and i wrote down we run to the altar in escape of our rightful justice and punishment accused by the accuser of the brethren, Satan, but we will be found at the altar guilty, but will we be found at the altar guilty or innocent? Thanks to Jesus. We are only the accused because we are, because our crime has been blotted out by his blood. So the altar can either be a sanctuary for, um, for you to eventually be found innocent because of Jesus' blood, or can it be, or it can be a place of further penalty um, that if we are apprehended, um, then you are removed from the altar, removed from the presence of God, and and sentenced to death. And so I don't know. It just seemed really. Um, it just seemed like it paralleled very well to salvation. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm seeing Jesus all over that. Yeah, and those who don't choose salvation, you know. Mm-hmm. Isn't isn't there like songs that say like "Run to you know the altar"? Yeah, like, that's kind of like a... the altar. Yes, I feel like Precious. that's so so real. Like the whole time you were talking, I was just yeah. like, "That's Jesus. That's where mm-hmm. we found Jesus." Yep, right there, running to the altar, and it should save you, but. Mm-hmm. It did not save um, Joab, like we said. Yeah, no, it did not, because he was <laughs> definitely guilty. He had innocent blood on his hands. Yes. So Premeditated at that. He definitely was like, I'm going to kill these dudes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. We're, we're about to get to Solomon's, uh, I, I call it Solomon's revenge. But so David's about to die. David's finally dying. He's yeah. dying. And he mm-hmm. talks to his... Um, He's put Solomon on the throne. Solomon's the king now. David's just like, leave me out of everything. But he's like, uh, Solomon, I got some advice for you, son. I got some things to tell you. Keep, first of all, keep God first in your life. Keep mm-hmm. his statutes and you, everything that he's told me he's going to give you, he's going to give you if you do what you're supposed to do. There's a big okay. if in there. It wasn't yeah. that just Solomon was going to be blessed for no reason. Right. He was going to be blessed, but he needed to do a few things he had to do a few things um he tells him to follow his commands david tells solomon what joab has done see see joab thinks that david 
just letting him get away with everything. Right, yeah. Mm-mm. Dave is like, look, I don't know what you're going to do, Solomon, but I'm letting you know this guy, Joab, he's really dirty, actually. So keep an eye on him. Do what you want to do with him. I'm just letting you know what he's done to me. He's betrayed me many times. Um, All that. He tells him to show kindness to the sons of Barzillai, Barzillai, the Gileadite. I kind of forgot who that guy was, but is he, 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 I think he's a guy who helped David while he was running away. But now I can't remember which time it was and what the story was. But I think he had David was running a lot. He had helped him at one point. So he's like, hey, if you see his sons, they good. You need to treat them with kindness. Um, And he tells him to keep an eye on uh, the guy Shimmy, the one who was cursing him on the road. Or Shimmy, yeah. The one who was who was cursing him on the road. I don't know how he remembered him, but he was like, that guy, he said cursing on me. You watch him. And then David dies. Yeah. Um, so in David's, um, I guess, exhortation of his son, like, God had promised David that if your sons, uh, pretty much love me with everything in them and follow my commandments, then I will keep, like, your sons on the throne. So, um... It's like, regardless of what's happening with any other kingdom, regardless of who tries to invade, regardless of who tries to take over or whatever, as long as David's sons um, are following in the statutes of the Lord and following like God and all that he wants for them, then God will take care of everything else. Like he will keep your, um, he'll keep the kingdom safe. Like he'll keep Mm -hmm. you all in authority over this kingdom and it's like seek ye first the kingdom of god and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you yeah if you take care of god's stuff god will take care of your stuff for real 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 spill mm-hmm. yeah not for real yep yep yes yes all that mm-hmm I can't get the words out, but yes. That part, yeah. That, that whole thing. He will take care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Um, after that, we're gonna get to um how Solomon's just gonna start slaughtering people, basically. Yeah, so, he just cleans house. So Adonijah, who was shown mercy, he he just can't leave well enough alone. He goes to Solomon's mom, Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. Who we're probably not gonna hear much about her anymore after this. Um, he's like, "Hey, I like that girl, um, Abishag, who was actually the girl who was sent to keep David warm." He's like, yeah. "Please go to your son and ask him if I can have her as a wife." And he's like, "If you ask him, then he probably gonna give it to me. But if I ask him, he's gonna say no because he already knows for some reason, whatever reason is wrong." I'm guessing it's wrong because it was your dad's concubine. But so, I don't okay. know your dad's dead now. The reason why it was wrong, and I was like, oh my goodness, duh, when I read it, is because Absalom did that in, like, as a sign of the rebellion. Oh, yeah. When he went back and slept, and slept with, with all the David's concubines. concubines. And so for... Yeah. So, and if you think about it, the way that Adonijah started the coup, where he like 
started gathering all the people and telling mm-hmm. them like I'm the king like you know trying to yeah. build this rapport with the people had a great marketing strategy to like get people on his side and then started taking people who were once um loyal to David or whatever to like establish himself as king same thing that Absalom did mm-hmm. so um I it guess is. I guess Adonijah was hoping that Solomon was a little dumber than Solomon is and wouldn't notice that that's what he was doing. So Solomon was like, give him Abishag. You might be asking me to give him the kingdom. No, (laughs) he should die today. Today. He tried it. He should die today. Like, literally, that's how it reads. It's literally like once... Bathsheba goes to him, goes to Solomon and tells him, Solomon's like, why are you coming with, with me at this information? Like, mom, sit down somewhere. Go sit down. Like, bring <laughs> bring Adonisha in. Die. You, you, I'm sentencing you to death. He, he orders him to be killed. Yeah. Now, this is what we get into. He's cleaning house because remember who was rebelling with Adonijah? You got what did I call him again? Abiathar? Abiathar? The priest. Abiathar. Abiathar. Yeah. And Joab. Why. And Joab. So if so, the priest, he really gets probably he doesn't get that bad of a punishment. He's just banished. Mm-hmm. Um he he's his punishment for being involved is that he's no longer allowed to act as a priest. And he's you just like you gotta get out of here. And then um I read that it said this fulfilled the Lord's prophecy. He had spoken at Shiloh against Eli's family. Was he he must have been a descendant of Eli. Hmm. I have to. I'm gonna have to go back and look at a genealogy for that. Yeah. Probably when I probably when I skipped, because sorry, sometimes I do skip yeah. genealogy when I don't see anybody that I know is a connected. Right. To like I'll start reading and be like, I don't know who these yes, people like, are. Or I'll where come they come back from. to these. I'll go, yeah. It's like ah, uh, they happened. Yeah. So then we get to Joab. Joab is another person who was not on David's good side. So Joab starts to hear about the punishments that are happening. He knows he's next. He runs to the altar to hold on to the horns as well. And the guy who is going to go kill Joab, he sees he's holding on to the horns. And he tells Solomon, he's like, hey, he's at the altar holding on to the horns. And Solomon's like, I don't care about them horns. Uh, Strike him down where he's at. Mm -hmm. And Joab, that's the end of Joab. Joab, end of the era, my guy. And he got killed by the dude that basically took his job. Yeah. Yeah, Joab should have been getting a little old too, though. Honestly, I'm surprised he was yeah. still the commander of the army. He should have been was like, Joab was like, if I leave here, you're gonna kill me, so just kill me now. Yes, Joab had to be probably almost 70 as well. If David was 70, I feel like they should have all been around the same age, yeah. or, or Joab should have been even older. I would think, I don't think he would have been that much younger than David. He's at least 60, so he's getting up there too. You're on your way out, sir. Um. Oh yeah, so- Solomon sends Ben Benaniah. That's yeah, who Benaniah. Joab. Mm-hmm. Then we get to Shim. Sh- what you call him? Shimei. Shimei. Mm-hmm. Shimei. Shimei. Shimei is then is his punishment is being banished as well. The dude Benaniah, is put on house arrest. <laughs> he is put on house arrest. Basically, he's like, "Hey, you, you got on my daddy's nerves. You was cursing him. What I want you to do? I want you to go build a house, and I want you to stay there forever." Ever for that you have to stay there, and the guy's like, you know what? That sounds like a very 
fair punishment. I got you. He goes and builds his house, but then two of his slaves escape. They run away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hmm, well, I'm just going to go get my slaves. Forgetting, dude, Solomon said if you leave the house, he's going to kill you. You have to stay there. It's either stay at the house or die. Which one Which one do you want to do? So he leaves. This is after three years, though, of being in the house. Yeah. He, he was in the house. He had a good mm-hmm. run. Maybe he maybe he forgot. Maybe he thought, ah. How do you yeah, forget man. that? I'm sorry. That's not a, that's not a, mm. Maybe I I you thought that it wasn't that big of a deal because my thing is if I lose my property, say whatever runs off, right? Why not send word to the king like, hey, I don't have anybody to go get the, my property for me. Can you allow me to go? Solomon would have been like, probably yes. Or he would have sent somebody to go get him. But you just saddle up your donkey and go. You don't tell anybody. And now Solomon hears about it and he orders you to die. Mm-hmm. So when I read that string of passages, I was like, "Oh, so Solomon's just just clearing house of all his dad's enemies." He's like, "He's like, yeah. you know what? My dad was very kind-hearted. Like my dad was a man of bloodshed for sure, but he did not like just randomly killing people. He, it, I feel like it really hurt his spirit. Yeah. So he, a lot of his enemies, he let keep going. He let God deal with them. Well, this is how God dealt with them, right here." With Solomon, yeah. So yeah, um, mm. let's see what's next. Um, Why do I have Psalms thirty? Do we read Psalms thirty seven? I think so. Um, I don't have any notes. I just have it. The yeah. The so then we have Solomon. This is like the the thing that Solomon is like known for mm-hmm. with the prayer of wisdom, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the prayer mm-hmm. for wisdom, right? So like he cleans house. And um, he, okay, let me back up. He does a whole like sacrifice. I think he sacrificed like a thousand bulls or something. Like legit. I'm not like, I'm yes. not exactly. I'm not Can exactly you imagine the scene of a thousand bulls being slaughtered? No, Yay. I can't. I can't imagine it. Like, it's that's like just stuck. <laughs> I know it's stuck. I had to. Um, so he went to Gibeon and he sacrificed there. And in some in some um, translations, it it said like Solomon loved the Lord, and then like blah 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 blah, and then like except he sacrificed in high places, like instead mm-hmm. of sacrificing it, sacrificing like at the the temp or at the tabernacle because yeah, I saw, I saw that too. Mm-hmm. And then it's like well, um. Why wasn't the altar moved from Gibeon to where the Ark of the Covenant was? That was the part where I was just like, you know, like why were they worshiping? Why, like, why were they worshiping and just in high places like Gibeon um, instead of actually like building a tabernacle or just or just putting the tent up? Mm. I never understood that. I don't know. Because David didn't put the tent up either. Like he literally just set he he set the place where the the Ark of the Covenant was, but he didn't set up anything else. Because they would have gone to worship there. Or gone to make sacrifices there. But instead Uh, they built the altar. It seemed like there were many high places too. Because when when I started reading it, I was kind of... 
it kind of perked my interest a little bit because just because I know later on when we get into like more of the other kings, when they were sacrificing on the high places, it was a bad thing because it was mm-hmm. usually to um, another god. But I want to say in Enduring Word, it said underneath what I was like that he was sacrificing on the high places that they said at this time there there were altars allowed in Israel at various mm-hmm. high places as long as they were dedicated to God yeah. and not corrupted by idolatry. And this is before the temple was built. So I'm guessing that they're maybe just in like this kind of in-between phase of like, we yeah. know we're about to build the temple, but it's not built yet. So we just kind of worship where we worship. Yeah. I figured it was more of a practical thing and not necessarily like a spiritual yeah. disobedience necessarily. But, yeah, like, but I, I said, feel like, like that could have been the start though of how it kind of spiraled out of control that and um solomon's uh infatuation with foreign women but um it starts literally it's his reign starts off after the queen of house or whatever we're marrying an egyptian woman and i'm like yes to form an alliance like dude that may be smart politically but like why like i'm pretty sure people have like sat you down and like told you stories of all of your ancestors and what they did with Egyptian women that got them in trouble. Like she probably was fine. Be, listen, all I, I know almost thought, was stupid. I almost <laughs> thought that she was the woman in Song of Solomon for a second because she's from Egypt and mm-hmm. the woman describes herself as dark. But then yeah, I decided but, it could be that she's dark because she works in the field. Right. So I was like, probably not, because Pharaoh's daughter ain't in the field, but she dark mm-hmm. though. I know she dark. Right. But clearly Solomon liked dark women. Or rather Solomon didn't care. <laughs> like Solomon didn't care that she was darker because That's true. we're gonna we're gonna get the song of Solomon. We're gonna okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. Okay, um, we're about to wrap. Uh let me see. What else? Uh oh yeah, okay. We're talking about Solomon's wisdom. Okay, yeah, yeah he's gonna act for wisdom. Mm-hmm. So he's asleep. And God comes to him in a dream and and says, you know, ask me anything, I'll give it to you. And Solomon is like, first out the gate was like, um, God, you have been so merciful to me. Like everything that you've done, you just you're just great. Um, but since you're asking, uh, I just want under an understanding heart. Like I just want, I I want to know things and not just know things, but understand things. And yeah. so that I can rule the people that like you've given me, because these people is they're they're a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he mentioned in one, I forgot if it was First Kings or Second Chronicles, like how young he was, because he's like, I'm yeah, not he really was like, right. I don't know how to go in or or come out from these people. Like I don't know how to operate within like this role and with these people, and I'm young and like this. Yeah. It's just it's a lot, and I understand this was coming from a place of humility for one, but it was also an understanding that like, this is bigger than just a title or a crown. Like he understood that this took a lot of uh, leadership and responsibility. Like he knew that this role meant a lot to the Lord and to the people. And so him asking for wisdom was like, I just want to do this right. Like I don't want to mess anything up. Yeah, And God was like, Oh yeah, for sure. I like that you asked for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you got it. 
And because you asked me for wisdom and not like a bunch of rich riches and like wealth and, you know, women and a whole bunch of other stuff, not stuff for you. Like, because you didn't ask me for um, selfish things, I'm going to give you everything. Yeah. Ooh, and yes. this is like, I love this part because this um, kind of helps me understand more like within the New Testament where Jesus is like, ask anything of me or ask anything of God in my name. And I like, you know, and I shall give it to you. Delight yourself in me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. All of those, t all of those um, passages that Jesus brings up. And um, it's like, first thought is like, oh, well, I'm asking for a car. I'm asking for this. I'm asking mm -hmm. for that. I'm asking for da, 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 da. But Solomon was like, Lord, you've already given me a lot. Like, yeah. your mercy is, is enough. Mm -hmm. I, I just need your wisdom. Yeah. And because he asked for that, he got everything else. So we be putting things in a wrong order. Mm -hmm. And God wants to give us all those other things. Trust and believe. He has all the riches like he he has the cattle on a thousand hills like he he's yeah the riches of heaven is great like god he ain't got no problem get you a car but it's like when we ask for peace when we ask for wisdom when we ask for things that um that further god's kingdom and not just our own agenda god will give us everything else yeah, and Solomon is, is a testament to that. Like he gave him a lot. Like dude was big. Yeah, it said that there was him. nobody ever as rich as Solomon ever again. There was nobody as wise as Solomon ever again. It was like he was like one of one of one. When I used to read this story when I was a kid, or like they teach it, mm -hmm. I used to always like when I would pray. I would, people would ask me, what do you pray for? And I would always say, oh, I pray for wisdom because of this story, because I mm -hmm. always knew that is something really good to have. Like wisdom is, that is something that should be treasured. Like to really have wisdom is, that is way better than a lot of stuff to have. Oh, to yeah. be, you can be rich and dumb facts you know like i would rather be very wise i i always wanted to be that wise lady especially when i get old i want to be that old wise lady that just knows a lot of stuff mm -hmm. so yeah i always from that story since a little kid i always was like i want to be wise because i just thought that was such a great story yeah mm -hmm. yeah and then like right after he asks like he immediately gets hit with a question like these two prostitutes come in and yes. there one has a live baby and one has a dead baby. And one, the prostitute with the dead baby is like, she, um, she laid on her baby and killed it in her sleep. And then she switched it with mine at midnight. And then I woke up and tried to feed my baby and my baby was dead. She got Can my baby. Can and you then, imagine? Oh my God. That's crazy. Like, Can you imagine going to nursery baby? And it's like, first of all, they don't look like me and it ain't breathing. What's going on? Right. And then the other one was like, she says I switched her baby and the baby that she has is, is my baby and my baby is dead. But like, my baby's not dead. Her baby's dead. And so they took it to the king and uh, Solomon was like, okay, hand me a sword. And I, my face would have been like, was that, that sword? <laughs> was that for king? Was that for? Um, he was like, okay, I'm going to slice the baby in half and 
both of you guys can take half of a dead baby. Cool? How about that? How about that? And uh, the lady of the live baby, the real lady, live baby, prostitute lady, was the like, real the real mom. The real Goodness, I could not get mom out to save my life. The real lady, prostitute lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so like... <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> Ooh, y'all know who she talking about—the lady, yeah, who, who, the lady who who's the real mama. Yeah, the real, the real mom was like, no, 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 just give her the baby. Like, just don't, just don't kill this one. But I thought that that was like it. Like Solomon was like, that's the mom, take it. But no, the other lady was like, who cares? Neither of us have the baby. Cut the baby in half. Yes, yes, yes. She was like, that's fine. Like, I'll take the top half. Right. <laughs> I'll take the top for two hundred. It's like, like, ma'am, what are you gonna do with the half dead baby, the bloody she baby? Was like, well, if I can't have a baby, you can't have you can't have a baby either. But she didn't even wait to see if she was just gonna be able to keep the baby. Like the other lady would basically gave the baby up to you, but you said something stupid out of your mouth because you're very you're actually evil, and what you said out of your mouth caused him to know. Okay, no, nah, I know who yeah. the real mom is because the real mom would never, never. I feel Never. like just a person in general shouldn't want to see a baby get cut in half, but a mom for sure is not going to want to see her child, her actual child. You would rather her grow up, the baby grow up with somebody yeah. that you actually hate than watch them get sawed in half. Yeah. So Solomon was like, you are not the mother. Here Hell. you go, baby. Here you go. Here's the baby. Yes. And then they left. And after that, everybody was like, wow. He's wow. So He's so wise. He's like, it, honestly, it felt like a TikTok. At the end, it was just like, wow. Yes. Solomon, he's our man. If no one can save us, he can. Woo. <laughs> you know what's funny about that story? I think it was always lost on me. That the women were prostitutes. It's not right. important to the story, but it wasn't. I, you know, like I, especially when you learn as a kid, they don't. You know, they're not because then you're gonna ask what a prostitute is. But they're just like there were two women who came to the, but they were prostitutes and they were like living in the little brothel and they both had kids because they were prostitutes and sometimes that happens when you're a prostitute and and the fact that she rolled over on her baby, she wasn't trying to kill her baby. Yeah. And that happens to people. Like, I used to co-sleep with my son. And when you co-sleep with your child, you can never really, really get a good night's sleep because you're, well, for me, at least, I was always yeah. worried about rolling over on him. Like, that's like one of, like, that's like, like and that a happens really to high fear of mine. Yes, it's so, oh. Or that, like, I'd suffocate my baby while breastfeeding. Like, and that people, just. People have done that. I know. I and, and you, I don't know how you get over it. Like. So it's a real thing. So when I first read this, I was like, wow, co-sleeping in ancient times. And they really, like, people still do that. People roll over on their child. That's why, like, I used to sleep on my back. And, like, literally, sometimes I would wake up in a panic because if I slept too hard, I'd be like, where's Omari? Like, oh, oh my girl. Because he, I don't think I had, like, a little bassinet. I don't know. I probably wasn't doing things right. First time off. <laughs> He was what dead. is like, even right? Like it's your son's. <laughs> he was in the bed for right? like nine months. He was in the bed with us. Aww. Like he would try to sleep. I would try to put him somewhere else, but he just wants to be by his mama. So yeah. So yeah, when I read that, I was like, dang, poor lady, but she was evil anyway, clearly. Yeah. Um either that or she was just really mad. Like 
on a flip side of it, we could say, okay, she was evil, but like, but she, she just lost her baby. Yeah, she was just like freaking out, I think. Yeah, so it's like between that and realizing that you're the reason why your baby is dead. Yes. Oh, so, oh my God. And so you're like, well, I like, I, I just need to do something to absolve myself of this guilt because if I don't go home with a baby, like I'm going to feel guilty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I need to do this because I want her baby. I want and her baby there's embarrassment of it too. Like, yeah. That you did it and then it's like, there's embarrassment of like, you weren't a good mom. You you smothered your own baby. Like you dumb lady. What's wrong with you? Like oh. and then it's like also I don't want to see you with your happy baby either. So yeah, kill the baby. Go ahead, slice my half. Yes, we all losing our baby today. We all Always. losing our baby today. Cause I'm not oh. gonna walk around seeing you bouncing that baby, and I ain't got mine. I know. Oh my gosh, so depressing. Yeah. So 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 depressing. So then after yeah. that. After that, after that, I just have like a note about Solomon, basically like that he ruled over a lot of kingdoms from like mm-hmm. a lot of land, from the Euphrates uh, to the land of the Philistines, as far as Egypt. That his, I said this earlier, his wisdom was greater than all the wisdom of the people of the east, greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. And it says, and I didn't know you could speak a proverb, but when I wrote down, it says Solomon spoke thirty three thousand proverbs, and his songs numbered. 1005 so Solomon wrote mm-hmm. a lot he yep was, and this was this was all before the plot twist that he ends up ruining Israel but anyway ah uh, yes so <laughs> after that we go into Song of Songs so we are entering in um, Song of Songs of course some people call it Song of Solomon um, apparently um, this is one of the most debated books in the Bible um, the author there are people who say that they don't know who wrote it but if you ask me, Solomon wrote it because in Songs 1 1, it's like it says of Solomon there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe he didn't write the whole thing, but there are many times in the whole book that it says of Solomon. Like, mm-hmm. hey, it's me, Solomon. I'm writing this song. Right. And apparently, we just read that he wrote many songs. Um, this was just probably one of the, the um, maybe the better ones. Um, this book is, if you were to look at this book and it wasn't in the Bible already, like if we found it later, no one would have just put it in the Bible. Yeah, like you no. would probably think it was, um, it's you wouldn't even so think it was explicit. religious. You would think that it was secular content. And when I say secular content, if you don't know what secular means. It means like without religious context. It's just like anything that's not about God or religion or whatever. Um, the book is sometimes called Song of Solomon. Uh, or I said that already, or Song of Songs. And that's because, I guess, because some people don't want to give it to Solomon. I don't know why. Um, the different perspectives of this book, that some people do just avoid this book. They don't want to read it because it's too explicit. And some believe if you struggle with certain, if you struggle with lust, if you struggle with things, like if you're if you're not all the way tight in your in your, in your your walk in some places, that you, you should avoid this book because it does talk about um body Sexual parts intimacy and yeah it talks about it talks about the sex it talks about the stuff the the intimacy the things with the man and the woman um others embrace the book and see it but but they see it um primarily as an allegory describing the love relationship between god and his people yeah. which i get it if you want to just you don't want to make it steamy you can't you know say that it's you and god it's cool okay 
But I don't think that's it. I think it's really just about a man and a woman. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm one of those people. Did you think it's about God? Yes. Okay. I think it's about um, personally, because I've talked about this before when I was like, when we talked about the you know, oh yes, about the hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do believe that that this relationship. Well, one, let me back up. Marriage is a um, shadow of Jesus and His bridegroom. Yeah, it is a shadow of God's love for us. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So when Jesus comes back, it says that He is our bridegroom, and we are the bride. And we are awaiting, like he's, uh, Jesus tells a, um, a parable of the, um, the, were they bridesmaids? The seven bridesmaids? Uh, yes. I think it was the bridesmaids and they had oil and they were waiting on, I might be mixing up two parables, but there was, uh, there was a wedding. The ones where they didn't have oil, but some of them did. And yes. And they get into the thing. Yes. It was the seven brides, actually. It wasn't a, it weren't bridesmaids. They were seven brides. They were something. Something. But there's a wedding. So there's this. I thought they were virgins. Virgins. I thought it was seven virgins. Let's go with that. Um, <laughs> but there's a wedding. That's the important yes. part. There's a yeah. wedding that some of them are able to enter because they kept, they, they were vigilant and kept their oil lamp full and those who couldn't attend this wedding. And so this type of uh, marriage and the intimacy within marriage is often used to describe um, Jesus and his and his bride being the church. Yeah. So I don't see that. I don't think it's like too far off to attribute a lot of the um, a lot of the things happening in Song of Solomon towards our relationship to Jesus. And here's why. So here we have the bride. Well, she's the fiance right now. Like they have, they, there's the pre-marriage or like the engagement, there's the marriage and then there's, or the engagement, the wedding, and then the marriage, right? There's like three parts of Song of Solomon. There's the wife, the husband. Um, In my translation, it just says she and him Mm -hmm. and then um, others. So then you see this third player, of what we come to find out are well there's really foreplay but this third one is what we come to find out as the um the daughters of zion or the daughters of jerusalem these are women looking on to the marriage like oh i want that Mm -hmm. um that's great i wish i had that um and they're waiting on (laughs) they're waiting on their their bridegroom um to come and find them so, and then you have her brothers that are like, don't be out in the field because your skin will get all, you know, like dirty and, and dark and no one will want you. That's like the only time we really see her brothers. But yeah. So for me, it kind of plays out like this where we are longing for Christ. There's a whole stanza of how the how the future wife so this is during the engagement the very beginning where she is longing to to be with her husband longing to be in his presence she talks about um his his uh his fragrance talking about how he smells just wanting Mm -hmm. to hear him um and then they get married um but before they are intimate she says she says to the women who are like oh i wish i had that 
Um, she's like, don't arouse or awaken love until it soon desires. And I used to read that verse like all the time. Never read any of the rest of Song of Solomon because they told me not to. But <laughs> I was like, those are like the one verses that like they told every single girl to read. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of like threw it off. Like, okay, I just, I, I won't, I won't do the do before I have, before I get married. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But it means almost more than that. It does. Mm-hmm. And I found that out today. Um, <laughs> trust me. I, found out today. I was today years old. I was today years old when I found out that this means a lot more than just not being intimate, um, physically intimate with someone before marriage because because of what marriage stands for and because of what marriage represents in regards to like our salvation and our relationship to Christ by by like having not by corrupting that image but by um I, I'm trying not to say the word by doing the do outside mm-hmm. of marriage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is going on YouTube. I, I'm trying not to, you know, get it taken down or flagged or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, by doing the do outside of marriage, it, uh, it, I lost words completely, but it jeopardizes the, the view of the sanctity of marriage because it represents our relationship with Christ, and so it, it's holy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so then we have they get married or whatever. She has this dream where. Um, she were like, she's looking for her husband, like her husband leaves. Um, and she's just looking everywhere for him. She can't find him. He was just there with her and she's like panicking, like looking everywhere. Ask the watchman, like, have you seen my husband? Like, where is he? And then ends up going past the watchman into the garden. So we're seeing this like garden of Eden kind of metaphor, kind of explanation. Um, but this is like, a place where it represents um, like where her lover is um, like so that she can be in the presence of her lover. This is what the garden it's like, you know, represents. And then they like start to get all intimate again. And then she stops. It's completely interrupted and tells the girls again, don't arouse or awaken love until it soon desires. Right. So then this, it just seems to be like this back and forth of, I want you and I want to be with you. Um, and then you leave. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, but wait, I thought this was an allegory of our relationship with Christ. Christ is like, when does Christ leave us? So when we go into the New Testament, he's talking to his disciples. He says, I'm with you now, but there will come a time where I'm not with you. Mm-hmm. There will be a time where you look for me and you can't find me. Because I'll no longer be here. And... um and that's where the bride becomes like the other girls, the daughters of Jerusalem again, where she's longing and waiting for her bridegroom. And that's where we are as the church. We had Jesus in the like, you know, when Jesus came for us and died for us, right? He made that sacrifice and um, and brought us back. And we are now betrothed to Christ. We're awaiting the wedding that is our reunion. There's the word. (laughs) We're awaiting the reunion with our groom um, when we are like, you know, raptured or whatever, when when it's the end of the age. And now it's just, it's this like, I long to be with you. And like, we're in search of, 
of Christ at all times. And the cool thing about it is like what the difference between Christ and this husband, and I know I'm talking forever, but this is like the end. The <laughs> I just had to explain it. There's just so much that I'm trying to like. No, put this is the thing. Song. I already knew that Vic was going to take over pretty much the song of songs because she's married. And I'm like, I don't have anything to say. Only thing I have is your fun facts because I'm a history person here. That's all I got. So she, I knew you was, I was like, she got a lot for it. The only thing I have to say is I do think that it can be allegorical, but I, I struggle with thinking, well, of course, I don't know if any of these authors thought that it was just going to be like fully like scripture, you know, I think they oh, were just yeah. writing them down. They were, but it's not line like, for line. This is like no. one of his songs mm -hmm. that he wrote. And I'm wondering if he knew that, so, that it could be used to define something he had no idea about. Like that's to me, that part so. is just like, wow. I don't think he knew because Jesus was, Jesus was quoting these things because he had read the Torah. Like he knew scriptures. Yeah. So, so when that, he was that making part is just like, I don't know if Solomon really knew what was going on or if he was just trying to like, oh yeah, no, the taste in the fruit of the garden created. thing. I don't. I don't think that has anything to do with Christ. I don't think the tasting the fruits of the garden has. Yeah, what is that? It's tongues for. Yeah, Ooh, I was like, yeah. I said, oh my, my goodness. Mm -hmm. I was like, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you put Jesus in that one. Jesus gonna come taste the fruit, the honeycomb. He got the no. honey. <laughs> no. no. Um. No. <laughs> No, but but oh but right. Jesus does say, um, um. Well, the the bride, yeah, I don't know what to call her. The woman mm -hmm. says, um, like hurry back. Like she's she's telling her husband, like run to me, run like a gazelle back to me, like hastily, like please come back. Come back. Um, and come back now. And Jesus in Revelation. Stop. <laughs> I'm trying to keep I'm trying to keep the allegory, okay? Just hold oh, on. Oh. We could talk about that stuff in a minute. Go don't look at my face. Oh my gosh. She's making all the eyebrows and stuff. Chill out. Keep going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um well, you so, like, he's like a uh, woman. Yeah. Back. Run. Haste. Hasten back to me. And Jesus says, I am coming soon. There we go. That's it. That's it. Stop. Stop. Stop right now. Stop it. Jesus is coming back soon, y'all. Yes. But I don't know what soon means to God, but yeah. Yeah, but soon. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, sorry. he's coming back soon. So anything, yeah, that was, that was Song of Solomon. And yes, if you are married, I challenge you to text certain of them to your spouse i think it's a beautiful book i mean i think it's just at but this point it as in my it life like... it's probably not hidden hard for me because there's literally no romance in my life so i was reading it like i i read the read the psalms <laughs> but i will say songs like, four songs 416 says awaken north wind come south wind blow on my garden and spread the fragrance of its spices 
Let my love come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits. Now y'all take that. That's adult content only. <laughs> I um, didn't go to the commentary on that. And I think, what did it say? It basically uh, was like she was inviting him in. Marriage fellatio is not a sin. Thank you. Hey, look, marriage, I feel like everything in marriage could the marriage be is undefiled. Like, I've seen people talk about, like, what there are still things that aren't appropriate in a marriage. And I'm like, look, if you marry, you marry, if you got consent in both parties, I don't see the problem. Now, like, I did see a TikTok since we're on this. Oh, my goodness. This is going to be like a two-hour episode. I know. Um, so I saw a TikTok and I had to admit she was making very good points because um, I was yeah, also yeah. taught that you could do anything you want in marriage in the bedroom. Uh-huh. Now, when it comes to things that are morally wrong, okay. they don't become morally right within marriage. What would be morally wrong? This is very specific, but um, if you are role playing a mm. teacher and a student, mm-hmm. that would be bad. Things that morally played out in real life would get mm-hmm. you arrested. Doing that in so- within your marriage, I do believe defiles the bed. Yeah, that makes sense because it's like because it's y'all playing on lusts. Now. It's playing on lusts that are, are not okay. Are not okay, and your body doesn't know the difference. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because, like, if y'all just want to act like maybe... What role play would be appropriate? I'm not sure. But that for sure would not be. A teacher and a student would never be appropriate. Mm -hmm. What would be? I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it. I mean, two doctors, a doctor and a nurse. I mean, you can find ways. You can can find find ways. Like, just about a costume. Yeah, if y'all are, like, into, like, that type of thing. Like, who knows? But... I think you're right. There are some things that it's like, if it's degrading, mm-hmm. then y'all should probably stay away from that. But yeah, like certain that, levels of like bondage and like SNM, like certain levels of that, mm-hmm. uh, it gets kind of in that realm of yeah. like, would you really go and tie up somebody if they weren't your wife? Yeah. Yeah. Would you tie up somebody? But what if to do something that is seemingly out of their control or consent? even though this person is is consenting to you now. Yeah. So yeah. look at it as it pertains to the person not being married to you. Like, would you do that to a random person on the street? And if it's illegal, if you did it to them, it'll, it, it's not smart mm-hmm. to do with your significant yeah. or your spouse. Definitely pray on that, guys, if you're married. Me, personally, I ain't got to worry about that because um, there's no action. But have fun, you know. Um Solomon definitely explored her entire body from head to toe. Oh, yeah. It's not a long book. And described but it. A lot of it. Oof. Like, head y'all just toe. go even, even in the next, into Songs 5, it, just the beginning of it, after that, mm-hmm. that ending. I have come into, I have come to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gather my myrrh with my spices. I eat my honeycomb with my honey. I drink my wine with my milk. Eat, friends. Drink. Be intoxicated with caresses. Oh my goodness, that's I'm gonna end it there. But you see, you see, that's why some people say, okay, like little, like, like young teenage boys, they don't need to read this. It's not for them. They, they ain't gonna understand it anyway. 
Yeah, but they might they might this, misinterpret this it and might tell the girl, "Look, you know, I need to eat your honeycomb." Thank you all so much for watching. Um, it's it's been fun. Um, make sure to click all the buttons and do all the things. Leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel because we have it, and follow us on Instagram at Tents and Tabernacles Pod. Oh my goodness! I'm sorry. I apologize if that was offensive to anybody's ears, but I'm saying that could happen if you have teenagers. You know, whatever. But yeah, like she said, hit all the buttons. I should have told you at the beginning of this to like the YouTube video. Hit the like. Hit it out. All right. Bye. Bye.